uh, we found it would be really helpful just very quickly to just articulate something. We're going to look into the Bible in, the, in a moment. We're going to look in Exodus chapter 3. Uh, but we thought it would be really helpful if Andy and I just really quickly articulated something of like just general vision, you know, where we're going. Some people haven't been around at church for a long time. Some people haven't been at, at church, you know, at all, maybe your first time. But we just wanted to give a, a glimpse and a little snapshot of, of where we're at, at and what we're going. And uh, what I, this morning... Honestly, purely by chance, so-called, on my like, hard drive, my Dropbox drive, I found this document that said, Weekend Away, but it was two years ago, in, 19, in, in 2019. 1982. In 1984. <laughs> and so it was two years ago. We came here for a weekend away. And then I, I read something, and... If you were here, there was a guy called Phil Wolfew who came up to the front and he shared a prophetic word and he said, look, God has got something of a trinity and it's going to start by five churches gathering together and God's going to birth something. Now, you might not remember that, I, to be honest. I, I was reminded about it. But I wanted to sort talk something about vision by starting to say that actually there's a group of five churches that are now gathering together. So, and, and I'm, I'm not sort of... Joking, I just felt, oh no, that was where, that is what God has got for us. And then you read it, two years ago, God prophesied something. And now at the moment, there are, there's this group of churches. There's us, there's the Well Church in Islington. There's a church in Upminster, led by a guy called Paul Thompson, who's starting to come and pray with us every Friday morning. There's a church plant over in Basildon that Clive and I are spending a lot of time with. And there's the church over in Munich that we, we keep praying you know, with them. Um, on Friday mornings, they join us by Zoom. And I just felt God was saying, no, there is something of the prophetic about what God is doing amongst us as a church family that he, he saw like many, many years ago. And actually God is doing something. And, and, and I believe that some of these churches that are just wanting to connect with us, it's because we've caught something about what God is calling us to do, I think. And the more we step into what God has called us to do, I think people just want to come and be part of it, you know, and... And, and actually, Martin Dunsford said years ago, it's really easy to encourage other churches. All you have to do is visit them, like, like in person, go and be with them, in, like say encouraging things to them and support them financially if you've, if you've got anything to give and they need anything. And you know, I thought, oh, we can do that as a church really easily. So we're just beginning to step into it, but I feel that we have caught something about starting these little... Oh, you get an even nicer one, Andy. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Nessa. <laughs> Something about these starting little gospel fires all around North London. Now, we've talked about church planting, and in, t in the past, what we've with church planting is we send out a big group of people, you know, 20 or 30 people into a new area. But I feel God has got a new template for us of many, many people just starting little gospel fires. And what that looks like is... Ones and twos of people meeting with their friends, in their flats, in their homes, praying together, doing small Bible studies. Because I believe that when we're doing that, when we're not gathering everything together, but all of us are being sent out, I've begun to pray now that I genuinely feel faith that we could plant hundreds of churches across North London. If we're releasing people, not just gathering in, training and releasing people out into the community. And so that's why we started Upper Room Academy. If you know that, you'll really, really 
welcome to come and see that and be part of it. And that's why we're looking at Moses. You know, we'll look at it in a moment, but Moses was in the desert for 40 years before God spoke to him about going back to Egypt. You know, I feel as a church, we've been around for quite a long time, but there's a fresh wave of God sort of like speaking to us about the promises and us stepping into it. That's the key thing at the moment. I believe there are something of us stepping into the promises of God. Andy. Which brings us on to why we're regathering to St. James. And so we just wanted to say... Do you want to say just St. James's school? St. James's school. I think most people... <laughs> if you don't know... We haven't gone Catholic, by the way. We're not <laughs> gathering... We're not gathering to a saint. <laughs> I don't know anything about St. James, or I'll continue that <laughs> joke. But they, um, we're gathering back to St. James's School. We were there just before the pandemic, and then we had to leave. We'd been there a couple of months, and we were starting to gather momentum there. But we just feel like it's a really important time for us to regather and to have space for us all to gather in together, for us to have space for kids' work, for us to have space for parking, for us to have space to, to be in a room like this together. Cent being at the centre is amazing. We love the centre and, and just it feels like home. But there's something of going somewhere where we have space to all be together and we have space to gather more people in together. And it is for the mission of God. So we are committed to seeing gospel fires started all around Barnet. We are committed to the mission of God. But in order to do that, we, we need to be together as one big fire, just mm. burning brightly for Jesus. And so that's part of the vision there behind going to St. James. We're, we're needed for each other. So if you have that thought, you know, like, oh, I don't need to come to church, actually... We need you in church. We need you. I need you. I, I was sat at the back before, and I saw Dee Dee moving the hot cups of coffee into the middle of the table. And I thought, yeah, that's church, because the kids were trying to grab them off them. But, but she was one of the parents in the, the room. We need to be family for each other. We need to watch each other's backs. We need to gather in. We, we need to be together, not just for our sake, but for the other sake as well. Mm. God calls us a body, an army, and we're together. So let's prioritize gathering together and just seeing this fire burn because we're going to see the increase of his government. That's what mm. Isaiah 9 says, and we're believing that in Barnet. We're believing we're going to see the increase of his government on the earth today, the increase of his kingdom. So let's not grow weary of gathering together and worshiping. Let's gather in together. That, that is so, so important to what we're doing. And um, just to... To follow on from that, we, I think two weeks ago, I put out an in, in the email update and just asked people, that would you consider coming to church every Sunday from the 26th of September to the 12th of December? So the 26th of September is next week when we're back at St. James School and the 12th of December is our carol service. Now the interesting thing is I wrote that email and then about a few days later I was involved, I mean, was meeting with another church and that other church was saying, Duncan, could you come and like just help us a little bit? So I, I wrote that email and then I had to come back and say, look, I, I, I might not be even there. <laughs> but, but the re reality is this, that I think there, there is something of that, that sense of meeting together that is really, really important. And I just want to ask you and encourage you and say, look, for this moment, sometimes when we, you know when you plant a church, you just say, look, everybody in, you know. But there's the sense of growing momentum at the moment. Now, what we really don't want is then the week after the 12th, it all to sort of to tank, you know, and no, nobody comes to church. <laughs> yeah, you don't I'm have, done now, I've done my commitment. <laughs> you don't have to come 
to church, but there is this sense of God is doing something in our midst. And actually, we can say, oh, I'm not needed because I'm not serving or I'm not doing anything. You know, sometimes when I just hear, when I see somebody worshipping or when Steve Newby comes up and shares something, or even, I know it's, I don't think, Diana and Jepson, you didn't mean to do it, but you stood by there and you were welcoming, in, you were inadvertently welcoming people in the room. I think you were just holding the door open and you got caught, <laughs> to be honest. You're like, nobody, everyone was just walking through, you know? And then you see people translating with all the, like the Farsi speakers that we just love at the moment. Do you know, just because we're not, so, we, there is something about we need one another. And you, you may be, you know, maybe your first time here today and you think, oh, you're so, so welcome. Because God is doing something in our midst. So I think that, that's like a little I hope a, snap, a snapshot. We've talked about church planting, but actually we're going to be not sending out groups of people, like big groups. We want to be starting lots of little gospel fires all around Barnet and North London and seeing where it takes us. Any questions, or if you think that is, I don't understand that at all, Duncan, please just come and speak to me or Andy or Jerry afterwards and, and we'll say we don't know either. Anyway, there we go. <coughs> Fantastic, thank you so much. If you've got your Bibles, can you turn please to uh, Exodus chapter 3. Just going to uh, uh, dive in, but before we do that, I, I wrote on my hand here, when we were singing that, that song, You're Never Gonna Let Me Down, and then we sang another song that says, My Hope Is In You Alone. What I really wanted to do, I wanted to put Steve to the test here and say, Steve, can you sing those two songs together? Can you sing? Because I feel God is marrying those two things together for us. Because sometimes when we say, God, you're never going to let me down, it, we think, oh, this is what I wanted. I wanted this and you didn't do it. And, and, you know, it hasn't quite worked out. But I feel God is saying, you know, the more we put our hope in Christ alone, and the more we trust in him, and the more we step out in faith for what God has called us to do, he won't let us down. He will never let us down. So I don't know if it's, if it's possible to sing those two lines together, because I think they go together. They marry well, very well together. Right. Are we ready for a story? Yes. Moses in the, in, the, in the desert and the burning bush. Here we go. Moses, um, uh, no, Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. Now, Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, hmm, I'll turn aside and see this great sight, why this bush is not burned. And when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, then God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And then he said, stop, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. And then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. 
I know their sufferings and I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out into the land that it, to a land that is good and broad, a land that is flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites and the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me and I have see, also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppress them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, But I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you, that I have sent you. When you have brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. All I've got is just a few... So points like we're just going to dig into a few of the different verses in here and hopefully it'll give us this sense of what God is calling us and how God equips us the first thing is this if you look at the sequence of events Moses spots this really unusual fire in the desert and he said and what Moses says is ah he was walking along with all these sheep and then he said but this thing that was burning over there and he said okay actually I'm just going to stop for a moment and I'm going to go and look what is over there. And as he got closer to this fire, he saw that this, it was just an unusual fire. To be honest, I quite like fires. But Whenever there's a fire, I quite like fires. I, sort of like, I am drawn to fire. But he looked and he saw that the bush wasn't actually being burned up. And when God had seen that Moses had stopped what he was doing and went over to the bush, that's when God spoke to him. It was when Moses said, to be honest, I've got all these sheep. They might all go all over the place. I have no idea what they will do. They will be sheep. They will do their sheep thing. But actually, I need to go over here and just see what is happening in this bush. And I think Moses had a sense of risky inquisitiveness. You might be here today because you've had some risky inquisitiveness. I, I don't, do you, I often wonder what would happen if Moses had just ignored the fire. What would have happened? Oh, there's a fire over there. Crack, crack on, we've got to get to do the sheep, we've got to deal with all the sheep, we've got to do loads of sheep, they're all busy. I, just got to, I wonder if, you know, Moses had been in the desert for 40 years. Do you think God had done it every year? Here we go again, I'll try and get Moses' attention. <laughs> Come on, Moses, spot it, see something. And then at last he sees it. But you know, there is just this, I think there was a little bit of a risk for Moses. He, he saw something and he thought, I'm just going to go there. And he had an encounter that changed the history of the world. There was this sense of slight risk, you know. And I don't know, you, you, even you being here today, you might think, oh, it's a little bit of a risk. I don't even know what's going on. I know that some people here, like, never really met anybody in the church, but they're here today. Oh, it's a little bit of a risk. What is going on? Well, all I can say is I think, well done for every single one of us for being here. And there are plenty of people who, who couldn't make it for very, very you know, good reasons. But, you know, sometimes we need to have that sense of, oh, I'm just going to stop doing what I normally do and I'm going to turn aside. And when we stop, when we have that sense of risky inquisitiveness, sometimes God will speak to us. And, and I believe that actually today, throughout today, God's going to speak to us 
with a fresh sense of his spirit. I'm not saying that I have any great prophetic insights, but I'm doing because that's what the Bible says in Joel 3 and Acts 2. He says, I'm going to meet you by the power of my Holy Spirit. And you know, and, and when Sandy was early, was talking about the plan for today, and you know, there's loads of time, to, we're going to meet with God, and there's loads of time. But you know, there's also quite a lot of time just to relax and chill. There's quite a lot of time to sit, sit out on the terrace. It was really nice, wasn't it? Jerry, I'm so grateful that Jerry and Sandy were hosting because I would still be out there sitting in the sun, chatting to people. It was quite nice. But no, we, have, we, sort of like we, did, we needed to meet. But there's this, there is this sense of, oh, we just have time this morning, today. We have time. You have time over lunch just to chat with people. And I believe that God is going to speak to us because we've just done this thing of, We've just turned aside. We, we've, we've done what Moses did. He saw something and he went there. God is going to do something, I believe, in our midst. I know people are moving into new jobs, new homes, new situations. And God wants to commission you into those situations. He's going to take you into those places. I know there's, there's some people who are facing really difficult moments. Brendan, just see you there and you're thinking, oh, we're just praying for you, for dear Luke. You know, his boy. But now God's going to commission you, Brendan, to be a man of peace, even in that place. The next thing that happens is this. God says, Moses, Moses, come over here. He gets this fire burning. It's burning away. It's really hot. He said, Moses, Moses, come over here. And then stop, don't come any closer. We'll make your mind up. Is it, do I've got to come close or have I got to go far away? And what God, what God is saying, look, I want you to come here. And this says, stop. Where you are standing right now is holy ground. Was the actual spot holy? No, I don't really think so. It's just a bit of desert. It's probably a bit of sand and a bit of rock. But it was very holy because God was there. And then God said, take your shoes off. I don't really know. Somebody will probably tell me over lunch, please do, why you take your shoes off in a place where it's holy. I don't know. But God says this. Stop. Where you're standing is holy ground and he says this I'm the God of all history I'm the God of your ancestors Moses and I'm the God of your future you know th this thing is really really important this moment it wasn't primarily about Moses it wasn't about Moses needs at the moment Moses saying you know actually God I don't mean to be rude but I was brought up in a palace it was a bit awkward I've been out in a desert for quite a while now <laughs> could you just sort it out please no, no, it wasn't about Moses' needs at all. It was about this. It was about the awesome, awesome nature of God. It was unavoidable. No, no, this is who it was. It was like God was saying, no, he wasn't excluded, but he said, God was saying, I want you to come into a holy place. And it was all about God. And I think whenever God commissions us into something, whenever God commissions you into a new job or into a new setting, it's not primarily about your need. It's about who God is. It's about who God is. And it wasn't, this, this moment was not, it wasn't about Moses. It was about who God is. And you know, and if you're thinking, I really want to shine brightly for Jesus at school. It's not primarily about like who you are, but it's who God is. Because God's with you. He's holy. He's calling you to be a shining light. Uh, just recently, I, I don't know if I, why, but I, I've got a little bit, um, I've got a really nice chair, new chair where I, thank you, that I, that I sort of like have for my like daily quiet times and I think I got a little bit stuck on like praying. 
Do you know, I, I thought, I don't know, I just went through, was going through the same routine, so in my daily devotional time, and then I just started praying, that, like the Lord's Prayer. Okay, you can't go wrong, can you? If you pray the Lord's Prayer, it's a good place to start. Our Father in heaven, uh, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. You, ha, no, hallowed, ha, I got stuck. I got stuck on hallowed be your name. I just didn't, oh, and I'd read this story. Hallowed be your name. I thought, and at one, one, we've had some builders at our house recently, and what they do is our builders never ask to come in. They, they come around the back of the house, and then they just start doing their thing. There was one day when I was sitting in this chair, and I was just praying, and then the builders were there. So I'm thinking, oh, this is a little bit awkward. But anyway, I don't care. But anyway, at this time, when I thought, I got stuck on being on hallowed be your name. Oh, God, it's only you I can worship. You are wor more worthy than anything else than I could ever hope or imagine to understand. And I thought, and I got off my comfortable chair, and I thought, like, I know, I felt I, it was too, I felt too arrogant to be sitting on this really comfortable chair. I had to get down, turn around, and kneel down on this chair. Like, God, it's all about you. And trust me, any place where we're being commissioned into something that God has done, trust me, it's not about us. It's about knowing the goodness and the mercy of God. God is saying to us, I'm going to send you out. But firstly, you've got to just know who I am. And that's why we love worshipping, isn't it? And that's why when, when Jerry and Sandy said, look, we're slightly overrun with our time, you know. And you think, well, we're in the presence of the Lord. What, what is more important than that? Than knowing who God is. The next thing is this. It says this. Moses, God says to Moses, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry. The, the Israelites, they were struggling. They were really, they were in, being held by in slavery and they were really struggling under the rule of the Egyptians. They were being exploited. They were being abused. But just so you know, God was not oblivious to their plight. He knew what was going on for them. He understood them. He heard their cries. He knew their pain and struggles and he hadn't forgotten the promises that he had made over them. And he had a plan. And God's plan was not to make the Egyptians better slave owners. He wasn't going to do that. He wasn't just going to make them nicer. He said, no, I've got a plan to sweep through this and bring a whole hist a redemption of a whole history. And I think God would just say to each one of us this morning, I know your situation. I know your situation. I know, what, I, know what's, I know the struggles that you're going with. I know your strengths. I know your weaknesses. I know the things that you're very good at. I know the things in your history that you're embarrassed about. I know you, and I still want to use you. <laughs> Can I just tell you about something that I've been embarrassed, was embarrassed about for a long time? When I left school, I got this really good offer to go to Durham University. The one reason I think I got this really good offer to go to Durham University is because when I was going for my interview at this university, I was going up the stairs, and this woman, I don't know who she was, but she, she dropped a whole load of papers, which I sort of like picked up and then sort of like said, oh, that's fine, I need to rush, and held the door open for her. She was the woman that was interviewing me for a place at Durham University. So I, <laughs> so I think it, it served me quite well. And when the offer came through, I got this very good offer, but you know, I didn't, I didn't make the grades. I got a very good offer, but I didn't make the grades. And then I ended up going to Kingston Polytechnic. 
Who went, who went to, who was else was at Kingston Polytechnic? Come on. Yeah, but Dina, we knew each other. And Pete was, but you know, like for a long time, like God, that was God's place for me, but it was embarrassing actually at one point because I, th- I thought I wanted to do this. And I just thought, and it took me a, it took me a while, a few years to own that and to say, no, it's not about low status. It's not about those sorts of things. It's about where am I going to place you? And it may not be exactly what you want it to be, Luke, but I know you. And God, is, God said to the Israelites, I know the situation. And I, God is saying to you this morning, I know your situation. I know what you have been through. And I've got a plan for you. And that, that was when, where's Steve? Steve Newbury. Oh, there. So, well, there's two Steves there. <laughs> That's why, but that word that Steve came up, and it was just so helpful because he said, I've got, God says he's got a plan for your life. And he has got a plan. You may not be able to see it right now, but God has got a plan for your life. When God said to the children of Israel, I've got a plan, he said this. It was a plan of redemption. It involved struggle, faith, uh, trust. It would involve battles and bloodshed. But it would involve them getting them out of slavery into their own land. And do you know what? God, God has got a plan to save all the children of Israel. And God has got a plan now to save the people around you. Did you know that? He's got a plan to save your family, to save your childhood friends, your flatmates, your colleagues, your teachers. Did I share the story last week about the, about the man from the church in Upminster who was saved because of his, his a year seven girl in his class? Did I tell you that? Two weeks ago, I think we were here doing a weekend for the church in Upminster, and there was this guy, and he said... Um, I, I t- we were praying for the young people, and he just needs to say, I just need to let you know, I was a teacher. This was back in the 70s. He was, he was a teacher, and he came to faith because a year seven, because of the witness of a year seven girl. I'm thinking, wow, tell me more. And he said he was, a, he was teaching, and there was one girl in the class that she d- all she did was two things. She was always honest. She always told the truth. And the second thing is, she always helped. There was another girl with special needs in the class. She always helped that girl. And this teacher spotted this girl. Her name was Pauline. Spotted this girl and think, there is something about you that I need to understand. And then when this girl, Pauline, was unwell, he went to the family's home and he said, and knocked on the door and said, I just need to check, is Pauline okay? Because she, hasn't, you know, she wasn't at school today. And then the family said, oh yeah, come in. And then he saw something in the family and he said, what is it that's special about you? And the dad says this, well, it's because we love Jesus and you need to give your life to Christ. (laughs) A year seven girl with her teacher. That man gave his life to Christ. His wife gave his life to Christ. And and his whole family. And that was like, you know, that was probably 40 years ago. And they were at this weekend away, you know, here two weeks ago. The phenomenal witness of a year seven. So if you're at school, here's two things to do. Just be honest and help those who who need some help. And be totally unashamed of it. God has a plan to save those people around you. God had a plan and his name is Jesus. (laughs) Jesus isn't a plan, Jesus is the person. But Jesus' life, death uh, and resurrection was the plan. I think... 
up to this point, it was all probably quite interesting for Moses. He was in the desert, he was looking after the sheep, he met with God, he understood a little bit more about what God was like, he was, um, he had seen what God was doing, he'd been reassured that God had a plan, and then it all fell apart at the, la- at the end. Because this is what God said. Moses, I'm going to send you to get the people of Israel out of, out of Pharaoh's grip. And at that point, Moses would say, yeah, yeah, no, no, that's great, yeah, yeah, yeah. What? No, 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 no. Not me. No, no, God, you have your plan for the redemption of the children of Israel. Yeah, you do it. I'll, I'll watch and I'll cheer you on. Come on, God, do it. But God says, no. You are going to save the people of Israel. And Moses said, look, look, look. No, I tried that a long time ago. I thought I had, some, I thought I had to save the children of Israel. I killed somebody. Didn't go so well. Had to run away for 40 years and live in the desert. But Moses said, but God said to Moses, no, I want you to do something. I want you to save my people. It was an, it was an encounter with the living God to be sent out to save the people. How many sermons do you think you've listened to in your life? Okay, I worked it out. I'm 55. I <laughs> don't look it. Um, <coughs> Maria, shush, shush. Don't keel, don't let on. Don't let on. So I reckon I, so I'm 55. I think I probably started listening to at least one sermon a week when I was 13. Okay, probably around from that sort of time, probably earlier as well. 52 sermons a year. That means I've listened to roughly 2,184 sermons. If every sermon is 30 minutes long, that means I've listened non-stop to 1,092 hours of sermonising. That is 45 and a half non-stop days of listening to sermons. That is from now until Wednesday the 3rd of December. No sleep, no toilet breaks, just sermons. I think I should have listened to enough sermons by now to know that God draws me into his presence to send me out. And God draws me into his presence to send us out. I don't think I can necessarily be the answers to everybody's questions, but what I can do is this, that we can be a people together who experience the living God and then are sent out. Every Wednesday I go into Pentaville Prison and I lead a Bible study with a group of men. My goal in that place is to find the man that will then be able to lead the Bible study himself on the wing when I'm not there. That's my goal. I have to find that man. I have to find that maybe one or two men that they will then go onto the wings themselves when nobody else is around and that they will lead a Bible study and that they will then say to somebody else, you need to lead a Bible study. Sometimes we need to be able to do things that are just easily to reproduce. That was how the early church grew from 12 mostly uneducated men into a movement of millions. We're running out of time. Um. Just bear with me, can I just see what we need to go? 
I feel that th this, our time together is about an encounter with the living God so that each one of us can see what we carry to where we are. I believe that there's something of God, God has got for us to, to plant, grow and encourage many little gospel fires all around North London and beyond. If you know somebody that's got a passion for North London, speak to them and get them to move to North London because God's going to do something extraordinary in our midst. We're praying now that we'd see the woman of faith that starts a simple Bible study with her friends and see, sees where it goes. We're praying for more year 10 students that will just witness to their teachers, trusting that a teacher can come to faith. We're praying for grandma and grandpas that will start Bible studies with their, with their, with their grandchildren, maybe online or do it in person. We're praying for men and women to catch something of the gospel and wherever they can go. I'm praying, I'm praying for those one or two men in Pentable Prison that maybe are doing a long sentence. <laughs> maybe doing a long sentence and will be able to, over the years, have many Bible studies for different guys in that place. And as we finish, just want to read verse 12. It says this. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And God said this, But I will be with you, Moses, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the, the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God in this mountain. That's, that's incorrect in there, isn't it? That's the wrong way around. What, what, what it should say is, this is the sign that I will be with you, that you will worship here and then you will go and do it. No, God says it the other way around. This will be the sign that I'm with you. When you've done what I've asked you to do, then you will worship me here. No, like, no so what God is saying is, I want you to go out and to do something about it now, and then I'm going to come and I'm going to bring the reassurance of the Holy Spirit in your lives. Because it's, it's about drawing out faith from us. God is about something as a movement. God is about us as a church that actually requires faith first. Can I just ask you to stand with me? <laughs> Sorry. If you hear people laughing, it's because we've got Maria chuntering away at the front here. <laughs> Telling me things. <laughs> Father, thank you. No. What Maria, actually, what Maria just said was a prophetic word. Maria, Maria was just saying things, and she said, Duncan, let me speak, because tomorrow I might be gone. And I feel that God is, God is saying something to us, like even now there's a weight of God's plan of redemption for his people. And there's an urgency that is coming on us to be like Moses, to be somebody who carries something of the good news, to be someone almost like Maria who can't help but speak out <laughs> because God has done a mighty, mighty work in her life. And the anointing of God is going to come on us right now. I believe there'll be many things that, that I've said this morning that will, will wash away, but there'll be one or two things that you have felt, no, this is, that is the power of God speaking into my life.
And as we just allow sort of this music to wash over us, just reflect back to God the one thing that you have heard from God that God has spoken to you. There are many things that I've said that you can ignore, like ignore them, but the one thing that God has spoken to you this morning, just for a moment, reflect it back to God. Others are saying, but but who am I? Who am I to start a Bible study? Who am I to pray for my friends? Who am I to bring the kingdom of God? You don't know my history. You don't know, Lord, how I've let you down in the past. You don't know my fears. You don't know the things that embarrass me. Well, God would say to you today, I will never let you down. I will never let you down. When you catch my heart and step out in faith, knowing all that I've called you to do, knowing all that I've called to speak my grace and my kingdom and my mercy and my peace to people around you, trust me in this. I will never let you down. <laughs> 